All right, let's find our way to Psalm 24 tonight. Psalm 24. When a pastor takes up the subject of giving, it often centers on the financial giving of God's people. Money is a topic that many preachers mishandle. I've been known to do it myself. Some ride it like a hobby horse, trying to squeeze every last dime out of their people to fund their latest project or upgrade or whatever. Others, admittedly like myself, avoid it like the plague, determined not to build a reputation as a money grubber. I submit to you that both positions are wrong. While we shouldn't make money a focal point of the total worship experience, we also do ourselves a disservice when we fail to preach the whole counsel of God. Giving is a part of worship. And to fail to give is to fail to fully worship. And by extension, it fails to give us the intended benefit and growth that comes with full worship. But even when we endeavor to use a a balanced approach to financial giving, we're still short of the mark. Because financial giving is but one facet of a larger and much needed discussion. And that's the subject of stewardship. Now to give you an understanding of what I'm talking about, I want to give you the American Heritage College Dictionary's definition of a steward. A steward is one who manages another's property, finances, or other affairs. Now Psalm 24, 1 says this, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. Let's read that again. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. Our psalmist David reminds us that everything is already God's. It all belongs to him. We are are but stewards. When we understand and believe this simple yet profound truth, it changes our perspective, and we find out that stewardship extends far beyond money. We focus on money because its use clearly defines where we are spiritually. What does Matthew chapter 6 verse 19 say? Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. Now watch verse 21. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Now what are we told in Proverbs 23? As a man thinketh where? In his heart. So is he. So what we do with our treasure 
has a great deal to say about where we are in our heart, and where we are in our heart has a great deal to say about who we are. It's, it's, a, it's a political axiom that voters tend to vote their what? Their pocketbooks. And so we tend to focus on money because there's no, no clearer and quicker indicator of where somebody is spiritually than a lot of times what they do with their money or what they don't do. And yes, we are responsible to God for our treasure. But we are also responsible to God for our time and for our talents. And real stewardship involves all three. We want God to have our heart because if he has our heart, he'll have our treasure and he'll have our time and he'll have our talent. And we're going to take some time over the next few Sunday nights I want to get into spiritual gifts, Lord willing, on Sunday mornings, but I want to get into stewardship over the next couple of Sunday nights. And as we do, we're going to take a message to explore each category. We'll talk about our treasure. We'll talk about our time. We'll talk about our talents. But tonight, I want to focus on one simple statement of fact that's going to, that's going to set the stage for all of that, and it's this. It all belongs to God. Amen. It all belongs to God. Father, would you help us tonight? As we explore your word, may we grasp this simple yet profound and difficult to employ truth that it all belongs to you. Lord, may I rightly divide your word of truth. Use me, I pray, for your honor and glory. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. It all belongs to God. Number one, your character belongs to God. Now, what do I mean by character? Who you are. Who you are belongs to God. Your identity, you. Simply put, you belong to God. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. We are talking about consecration. Consecration. Putting ourselves on that altar. My hero, Adrian Rogers, there he is. He said this, man, I wish I had his voice to be able to say it like he said it. Consecration is not giving to God anything. It's taking our hands off that which already belongs to God. I'm going to give you a couple of points from a message I heard him preach. I'm giving him full credit for it. I can't improve upon it. So let me tell you what he said about consecration. It talks about a living sacrifice. And these sacrifices were bloody. And they had a tendency to slide off of the altar. And so the priest had a tool. They had two of them that they would use to keep those sacrifices from sliding off the altar, and they're called flesh hooks. And those flesh hooks were designed to grip into that sacrifice, a dead sacrifice, but a bloody sacrifice to keep it where it's supposed to be. Now, we are not dead sacrifices. We're called upon to be living sacrifices. 
But as living sacrifices, let's be honest, we, till, we still tend to slide off the altar, don't we? I'll tell you, he made that point. I try to, when I can, I try to watch a sermon while I'm eating lunch. And more often than not, I end up on one of his. And I'm going to tell you, it hit me right square between the eyes. I tend to slide off the altar. And he said, there's two flesh hooks that we can have in our lives that will keep us from doing that. Discipline and devotion. And just like a flesh hook, those hurt. Those dig into you. Discipline's not fun. If it was, everybody would be disciplined, wouldn't they? Devotion takes some, some work. Remind you what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. What? Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God, and you're not your own? For you're bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. There's a popular saying, my body, my choice. I got news for you, friends. Your body didn't belong to you. It belongs to him. Now, the government can't legislate theological matters. It gets into trouble every time it tries. But even so, we as Christians understand we don't belong to ourselves. Wait a minute, Pastor, did you just... Did you just slide in that you're pro-choice? I did not. Let's go ahead and touch that real quick. That baby's not your body. That baby's its own body. See, my body doesn't belong to me. It belongs to God. See, my character is his. Now, here's the question we've got to ask ourselves. What kind of stewards have we been with ourselves? We belong to him. What what have we been doing to use ourselves for his glory? Your character belongs to God. Here's another one. You ready? Those of us that are married, your companion belongs to God too. Mm. Matthew chapter 19, verse 6. Wherefore, there are no more twain, speaking of marriage, but one flesh. What therefore God hath joined together, let not man put asunder. From that verse, which harkens back to Genesis, who does it sound like is in charge of your marriage, you or God? Our marriages are on loan to us from God. Oh, I'm, I'm going to just, I, I just can't wait to be married to you forever. I got news for you, friend. Nobody's married to anybody forever. The Bible teaches our marriages dissolve at death. And then after we get to heaven, we enter into a marriage covenant that never dissolves. We're part of the bride of Christ if you're saved. The fact is my wife is on loan from God to me. And eventually, if I outlive her, I've got to give her back to him. And if she outlives me, she's got to give me back to him. I should be a steward of that marriage. Because that marriage belongs to God. Oh, now here's one. We dare not let something that belongs to God keep us from serving God. What an insult that is. I've known people. I'm thinking of a couple right now that I've known in years past. They started coming to church, started serving God, started giving, getting active, and then one of the two got a little bit flustered with something and decided they weren't coming back. Wouldn't talk to anybody about it, wouldn't try to make it right, wouldn't try to figure it out, decided they weren't coming back. 
And the other one just, well, okay, whatever you say, dear. And as far as I know, they're not anywhere. Let me tell you something. That's letting a spouse become an idol in your life. What you've done is you've taken something that belongs to God already and used it to keep you from serving God. That's crazy. Our marriages, our companions belong to God. What kind of marriage have we stewarded for God's glory? Number three, your children belong to God. I'll never forget the first time I held Claire in my arms. By my recollection, it wasn't in the operating room. They gave Claire to her mama, and mama wasn't letting go. But then they took Claire over to the, and don't worry, Claire, I'm not going to say anything embarrassing. They took Claire over to the table where they measure you and weigh you and, you know, all that stuff they do with newborn babies. At some point they take blood, which just scream bloody murder for that. And then they wrapped her up in a blanket and they told me what room to go to. And they handed me this first-time father, this baby, said, your wife will be up here when they're done. What do I do? Just hold her and wait on us. Okay. And I'll never forget the look she gave me. She looked up at me and she went, wholly and completely unimpressed with me. (laughs) And many of us have been in this situation. You get overwhelmed with the thought that this child that I hold in my arms from a human standpoint is 100% dependent on me. And that's not just true physically. We have this idea we put a roof over their heads and food in their bellies and clothes on their back that we've done our job. Parents, you better hear me and you better hear me well. Every one of us will stand before God and we will answer for every second of our care over children that belong to him. I understand what we mean when we say those are my kids, but the fact is they're God's kids. Let me give you a verse to prove it. Psalm 127, verse 3, Lo, children are in heritage of the Lord. Do you know what that word heritage means? Possession. They belong to God. There's property. Any of us that have worked with children over the years can, can tell stories about this. Kids that wanted to do right. Maybe they came in on a bus route. Maybe they came in through the Christian school. They wanted to do right. And they made some good decisions. And then mom and dad either actively got in the way or their complete apathy got in the way. And we couldn't help them. It is heartbreaking. And if I can be candid with you, it makes me mad. I'm thinking of a kid right now. 
If I called her name, many of you would know. I don't have any idea where she lives now. I haven't seen her in years. That kid was making strides. She came in on her bus. She was making strides. And she wanted to do right. And she went to camp. And she went to teen meetings. And she, she, was, she was learning. And she was growing. And I'm going to tell you exactly what happened. Mama started to be uncomfortable with the fact that her kid was outpacing her spiritually. And Mama reeled her in. And Mama decided to win her over with all kinds of gifts and activities that they should not be doing together. And that kid's in the wind now. Let me tell you something. Yeah, she's answerable for her actions, but Mama's going to stand before God and answer for that too. And I got a feeling this particular Mama, despite our best efforts, is going to stand before God and answer for it at a white throne instead of a Bema seat. It bothers me. But then I look at myself and I look at my carelessness and I look at the ways that I'm not the father that I should be. God, forgive me for not being the steward over my kids that I should be. How dare I that God in heaven gave me those two precious children and I don't spend every moment, every waking moment of my day making sure that I'm doing the very best I can to be the steward over those kids that I should be. We are where we are as a nation right now, an entire generation of people because parents of the last generation dropped the ball. The children belong to God. Number four, this church belongs to God. Go to Ephesians 5, would you? Ephesians 5. There's a, there's a video that's circulating. A preacher friend of mine sent it to me. And it's a skit that these Christian skit guys do. And it's funny. But it also hits a little close to home. And it's from the view of a pastor sitting at his desk and different people coming in with different problems. And one of them is labeled as a deacon. Now, let me be very quick to say, we don't have this problem with our deacons. I thank the Lord for our deacons. we got great deacons. But there's a reason the Wake Forest group is called the Demon Deacons. Because there have been some demon deacons. There have been some demon pastors, too. But the, the popular narrative is... And, and this would happen here. This, this fellow who was labeled as a deacon, I want to be very clear once again, deacons, this isn't y'all. But this particular one was labeled as a deacon, and he's leaning over the desk. Cigarette hanging out of his mouth, by the way. I was here before you came, and I'll be here when you're gone. This is my church. Can I tell you, there are people out there that do feel that way. This is my church, and I'll outlast you. I get news for you, friend. It's not your church. It's not my church either. This may be the church that we attend and the fellowship of which we're a part, but please understand something. This all belongs to God, and we are but stewards. As a pastor, at best, I'm a lighthouse keeper. It's not my lighthouse. I'm just here for however long that I'm here to keep the lights burning. 
and then someday I'm going to have to hand that torch over to somebody else. One way or the other, if Jesus doesn't come back first. It's not mine. I have to be a good steward while I'm here. And it's okay to say that's my church. That's fine. I love my church. That's great. But please understand something. As far as possession, it's his church. We're in Ephesians chapter 5. Look at what Jesus says here. I've got a couple of verses up here for emphasis, but let's, 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 read, uh, let's read verse uh, Oh, verse 22. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands. That's right, your own husbands. As unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is what? The head of the church. And he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands and everything. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the world. Now watch this, that he might present it. What is it? The church. That he might present it to who? Himself. That's pretty clear. To whom does the church belong? Him. A glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. God has given us this church, and we are stewards. And when we face the master, we need to ask ourselves this question, what kind of a church will we answer for? You see, your character, your companion, your children, your church all belong to God, but let's sum it up with this. Your choices belong to God. Now, I thank God for the freedom that we enjoy in the United States of America. Our founders envisioned a land of the free and the home of the brave, and I'm thankful for that, and I'm jealous of that freedom. But that freedom, we got to understand, that's a political thing. That's a national thing. It does not exist in our theology. My liberty is found in Christ, not exclusive of him. And over and over again, when you read the epistles, what do you see the writers of the epistles identify themselves as? Slaves. Paul, a servant, a bondservant, a slave of Jesus Christ. That's what we're supposed to be. And slaves don't get their own choices, do they? Slaves have to do what the master says. Our choices belong to God. I don't make choices based on what most benefits me. I choose based on what most pleases God. All right, let me meddle a little bit. This next election, some people are going to vote for candidates because if that candidate gets in, they're going to try and find ways to make sure and put more money in your pocket. And they're going to call it stimulus, and they're going to call it this, and they're going to call it that. By the way, we now have something called inflation. All that free money that went out, somebody's got to pay for it, and we're paying for it now. That's why everybody's getting excited over gas going down 20 cents. Are you nuts? It's still $3 too high. Those of y'all that don't go anywhere, you don't know, but people that drive places know. You get heat and oil, you know. My soul, somebody help Walmart. They can't keep nothing on the shelves. It's like I woke up in Venezuela. Yeah, I said it. 
Well, if we vote for such and such, they're going to put more money in my pocket. They're going to give me stimulus. They're going to give me relief. They're going to give me help. Christian, let me tell you something. I don't care how much money they put on the table. If they're for killing babies, they ought not get your vote. If they can't decide what a man or a woman is, they don't get your vote. If they're not willing to uphold the the basic tenets of American freedom, they shouldn't get your vote. When we go into that that voting booth, our choice is not about, well, what's going to be best for me right now? No, who who does God want me to vote for? Oh, God doesn't care about elections. You don't think so? My Bible says the king's heart's in, in his hand. And God puts up who he will and he takes down who he will. He's very interested in elections. Proverbs 37, verse 4. I'm sorry, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. I just made up a whole different thing. There's no Proverbs 37, y'all. You get worked up over inflation, that's what happens. <laughs> Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, lean not in thine understanding, and all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Y'all know what a director is, don't you? If somebody's directing a play, let's say, let's say that we have a school play and we uh, we get uh, Brother Hensley to direct it. And so Brother Hensley rolls up in here and he's got his beret and his chair that folds out. And he sits down and he tells them, okay, Y'all just do whatever. Just, you know, if you want to say the lines, that's fine. If you want to make them more your own and make them more true to you, you just find your truth, actors. And we'll just see what comes out of this. Is that a director? No, that is not a director. A director says, I want you here, and I want you here, and this is your cue, and these are your lines, and this is how I want you to do it. Why should we be surprised that the God of all the universe wants to step into our lives and say, I want you here, and I want you here, and this is what you're supposed to say, and this is how I want you to do it. I'm directing you. I'm God. I'm allowed to do that. But not only does he direct us, he directs our paths. Not our steps on the paths, our paths. Sounds to me like somebody's owning our choices. How about you? You think that? Yeah. 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 Proverbs, uh, Psalm, there it went again. Psalm 37, delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Commit thy way unto the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. That sounds to me like God's in control. Our character belongs to God. Our companions belong to God. Our children belong to God. Our church belongs to God, and our choices belong to God. So what? I am a, I'm what you call a, a, a sentimental hoarder. Now, that doesn't mean that, if you ever watch those shows, that doesn't mean that we have garbage to our knees that I refuse to let go. That's not what I'm talking about. But if something has sentimental value to me, I find it very difficult to let it go. Very difficult. I have crammed into every nook and cranny of my study 
pictures that kids in this church have drawn for me. I just, it's hard for me to throw that stuff away because they took the time to do that for me, and that's, that's that kid's best expression of love at that time in their lives. And I've, just got, I've got them everywhere. At some point, something's got to happen. And so you can imagine how sentimental I am about our home. I cannot imagine ever leaving our home in Max Meadows. I cannot imagine having the wherewithal to put it up for sale and walk away and let somebody else live there. That's our home. That's for all intents and purposes the only home my kids have ever known. You know? And I can't imagine ever leaving it. When we surrendered to the Lord to come here, we lived on Treeley Road in Chester, Virginia. And admittedly, as we locked the door for the last time on an empty house and got in the U-Haul, there was, you know, little memories and things like that. But it wasn't that hard for one simple reason. That was never our house. It belonged to somebody else. We rented it wasn't ours. So we, we, we appreciate the memories. And when we're home, sometimes I'll ride by, by that house just to see it. But that wasn't that hard. Because it never belonged to me. As grateful as we were to live in the parsonage, and we're thankful for that. When it came time to move to where we are now, I didn't stand in the yard at the parsonage and say, I'm going to miss it. Now, I do miss the gas that I didn't use to come to work every morning. You know, but the thing is, the parsonage didn't belong to us. It belonged to the church. And so that wasn't really that hard either. But to walk away from the house we live in now would be difficult because that is ours. But, but the thing is, y'all, it isn't. The truth is, our home now doesn't really belong to us either. It wasn't hard for me to give up anything that really wasn't mine. So if I understand that nothing I have now, time, treasure, talents, none of that's mine either. And so if I understand that it's not mine, it shouldn't be hard to give it up. If I just understand that it all belongs to God. What do you have you won't give up? I feel for our parents that have sent their kids off to college. Even John. Because that's, that's a transition in life. That's a big step. He's not a high school kid anymore. He's a college kid now. And when he's married, he'll be a married kid. To his parents, he'll always be their kid. You pray for my wife. Next school year, she's got two things she's got to do. She's got to send our son to kindergarten and our daughter to junior high. She's not going to make it. <laughs> I, on the other hand, am excited. Because once my son's in school, my wife and I can every once in a while go out for lunch. 
Do you know how long it's been since my wife and I have been on a date without one of them? We've never been on an anniversary without one of them. Do you know that? Even our first anniversary, Claire was there, technically. And she did not like the food we ate that night. So how in the world do parents do that? How does Miss Joan keep sending her family up to Alaska? If you understand that they don't belong to God, they don't belong to you, they belong to God. That's the only way to do it. So it's God's will that these kids be where they are. It's God's will that Teresa be in Alaska. It's God's will. And one day, I'm going to have to face that too. Some sorry, no good boy's going to come along. And if I discern that that's the Lord's will, I got to let her go. But if I don't discern it, I'll tell that boy to get out of here. You wouldn't be one of those dads. I absolutely. I can't let go of it. You have to. Because it's not yours. And when we keep something that doesn't belong to us, what is that? Stealing. And we don't want to be thieves, do we? There's been things that I've wanted for this church that after prayer and searching, I've come to the conclusion it's not what God wants. You know what I've had to do? Because it belongs to God. <laughs> There's been times God's impressed upon me if I had money. I have what's called walking money. Any of you ever deal with walking money? And I take a little bit out of each paycheck, and I set that aside, and that's my walking money. And, uh, you know, if I make it through the week without spending all my walking money, I've done pretty good. And sometimes God will impress upon my heart. That person over there needs that more than you do. But, Lord, it's, it's my walking money. Wrong. It's my walking money. I've just been letting you walk with it. If I don't give it up, what am I? I'm a thief. You know where we're going with this. We're going to get into our talent. We're going to get into our time. We're going to get into our treasure. And the fact is, if we're not giving all of it to God, we're thieves. That's what it comes down to. What's the so what of this thing? It all belongs to God. That's a hard place to get to, but can I tell you, when you do, life gets easier. It gets less complicated. All belongs to him. Hey, by the way, I didn't talk about this tonight. Your conundrums to belong to God too. I got problems, preacher. No, you don't. God does. They're his. What are we supposed to do with them? Roll them over on him. Casting all your care upon him because he cares for you. They're his problems. He's your burden bearer. Quit holding on to something that doesn't belong to you. Easy preaching.
hard living. Those of you that have preached, I know you've thought about four or five times. Okay, that's where you wrap it up. Right there, preacher. Stop it right there. And I keep talking. I'm going to stop it now. It all belongs to God.